0: I'm John Stevens. I'm Matt Russell. And this is Pod, and this have is mercy. Pod. So I'm really excited about 2023. We me That's what it's
1: like.
0: You just recording, right? Because we're back. I forgot how to start a podcast.
1: Yeah, we. It, we're, <laughs> I, I feel a little like yeah. I need to stretch out or something. I, I don't know. It's been a while. <gasps> we, took, we, uh, we, took, uh, we took a we took a we
0: took a nice long, well-deserved break. Uh, Twenty. 22, you know, and it it was uh well yeah, but I mean I think the the podcast did a lot of good, yeah, helped a lot of people, sure did in a lot of different ways, um, and so I'm really excited about 2023, and just kind of the you know what we originally set out to do in this is have conversations around you know faith and culture yeah. and life and just uh the intersection of it all yeah just well whatever we're interested in i think is yeah. what it basically <laughs> is pot of mercy you know so when you join us uh you know as we're coming back and we'll be here every week and i hope that you will go wherever you listen to podcast stuff, right? Apple or Spotify. <laughs> Make sure you go and subscribe, that helps us. If you yeah. leave a nice review or a five-star rating, I, those things are like algorithms yeah. that help push stuff up. So it, it doesn't take long for you to do it, to subscribe and to like and to leave a you know five stars or whatever that is, that right. really helps out as well. Uh, today, we're gonna get started back with some conversations around resiliency. Mm. And it is much needed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's, I mean. It, and
0: introduce, uh, tell who, who we're going to have on here. It's a good yeah, friend of yours.
1: Yeah. Dr. Kitty Harris, who uh, I've known since I've been in my twenties, was a, a, a professor of mine in my undergraduate. And then um, was, I worked for her when I was at the center for the study of addiction and recovery when I was doing my PhD and she studies resiliency, has worked with adolescents and all, really all populations, but um, mainly adolescents and studies how people bounce back how people come back from really difficult, which is a much needed topic, Right. (laughs) These days. You can see why I've needed her in my life. So, you know, I just, she has a lot of practical wisdom, um, a lot of wisdom that's kind of backed up by science and she's just a, a a massive delight.
0: Well, and I'm looking forward to talking to her as well. She's out in Lubbock, Texas at Texas tech. And then I had some other things that she's in. Yeah. She has connected to the yeah. health, health organizations uh, right. with people's mental health and addiction and mm-hmm. all these sorts of things. So yeah. it's going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be great.
1: Do you want to respond to an audience um, message that came in? Mm.
0: Uh, yeah.
2: I'd like to thank you for the very open, honest conversation. I just heard regarding your episode with uh, Adam Hamilton. I had a very dear friend reach out to me today that lives a few states away and her church is coming up for a vote. And something told me other than my own personal opinion, I needed to send her a very good explanation of what's going on in the Methodist church. I, I just really do thank you for recording this and it's got to be the best conversation mm-hmm. I have heard about why Methodism is so important. Thank you.
0: Yeah, that's great. i <laughs> talking about 2022 and a lot of the, um, uh, the, you know, the impact that, uh, the podcast had and, yeah. and a lot of things. And we did a lot of stuff around our denomination to try to be helpful, um, as well, but man, it's always nice when you hear a good word from someone yeah. of encouragement.
1: I, I gotta, I gotta say, I think Adam's a, a great human being. But John, I think the way you have led and the way you've articulated this for me personally, and I think for a whole bunch of us, has just—it's lowered the anxiety. It's given us a really Jesus path forward, not you know a cultural path, but a Jesus path forward. And I don't know where this takes us, but it um, it it takes us towards Jesus. And so I think I think she's saying what probably a lot of us have experienced. And so it's I know that was what episode ninety five, I think. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think I saw that somewhere, but oh. yeah. So if you want to go back and yeah, listen yeah. to it, it's there. But I I just you know I think she's right. I think the way that you know, God's kind of raised up certain folks that are able to allow us to cut through the cultural stuff and say, well, how do we follow Jesus? That's, that's what we signed up for. Yeah. How are you?
3: I'm good. I'm a little bit, um, uh, uh, crazy today, but yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's going on I around. started
3: tech yesterday. And so I've had two days at tech and that's mm. been enough to make me a little bit crazy. Yeah. But I'm glad to see y'all. I'm glad to see you. Is it cold there? Yes. Oh, my gosh, John. It is so cold. Like, the high today is 27. Oh. The high tomorrow is 28 with 50% chance of snow flurries.
1: Mm. That's Texas. And the
3: ice is so bad that everything's been sanded and salted. and Yeah. So it's... We've had our share of winter weather.
1: Have they called school About off?
3: Huh?
1: Have they called school off?
3: No, they called it off. Um, they they delayed it by two hours yesterday and today. They called it off last week when it got really bad last wow. week. And so um, they even even tech has had a delayed start. So, huh. yeah, it's I mean, it's wow. it's bad like
1: serious it's horrible here too i think it's like 42 maybe it's, it's something that's terrible
0: it's too <laughs> cold for this south georgia boy i'll tell you
1: <laughs> yeah if it drops in the 30s i think it dropped to 39 last night i was like you know yeah, it's hurt.
0: 44 right now 44
1: there we are we're suffering through it exactly (laughs) that's awesome well we're glad you're here i just um first of all i just want to say thank you you have been you know Uh, and I've told John this, you've been probably one of the biggest shaping influences of my life in terms of just both what I think and how I think, and then also just interpersonally helping me kind of, you know, see another pathway forward. Um, And I think bringing you on just to talk to you about one, what you research and the way that you see life, but also your um, the way that you've researched resiliency, particularly coming out of some of the, stuff we've come out of in our culture and it's just uh yeah can you tell us just a little bit about yourself as we get into this conversation
3: well let's see i um i had a great i had a great childhood (coughs) i've always said i grew up in this beaver cleaver household which was um wonderful but the only hard part was we moved all over the country And so I learned to Mm. adapt at a young age. I was in eight schools in nine years. And so um, it was it was hard because Mm. like you would make friends. But no, you wouldn't get to be friends for very long. Um, And I think that probably shaped a lot of what I experienced. And and uh, but it was fun. I got to live all over the country in Mm. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Chicago you know, just around. And so that's been good. Um, I have been in recovery from um, alcohol for a long time. Um, (laughs) I sobered up at age 28, which was pretty young back in those days, (laughs) way young back in those days. And um, that's been probably one of the highest blessings, Mm -hmm. biggest blessings in my life was to be able to really start um most of my young adulthood um with a a program that spoke to um, you know spoke to the spiritual side of ourselves and mm. and a lot of that so that that's that's been really really good for me and mm. i I have loved all these many years um of recovery. Mm. I, um, I loved, I love education. Uh, I'm a real nerd. I was on the debate team. That's as nerdy <laughs> as you get. And, um, and so I, you know, I kind of wasn't finished till I was finished and that meant a PhD. And so I pursued that and that was great, great some probably four of the greatest years of, of mm-hmm. interest and excitement. And, um, Finished that. Went into private practice. Loved working with people. Uh, loved doing therapy. Uh, loved building programs. I ended up going back to Texas Tech to, you know, to take over the Center for the Study of Addiction and Recovery that that Carl Anderson had started, and that was wonderful. And we got to build that out and make it a national model and have it replicated around the country. It, a lot of different places, University of Houston being one. Yeah. One of my former students runs that program there. Um, and so I just, you know, I've just been one of those really lucky people that has been able to have a life of helping others and, yeah. you know, um, blossoming through that and with that. And uh, I've met some of the most famous, fabulous people in the world, like Matt Russell. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's more infamous.
1: He's a rock that's star. That's more than famous.
3: <laughs> and so um, that's been, you know, that's been it. And that's, those are probably the high points. I'm married. I've got uh, some stepkids and uh, four fabulous grandchildren and um, a great dog. But I love
1: a lot. <laughs> well I'm I'm it our our paths crossed like I think I was twenty one or twenty two, maybe. Oh yes. You uh, were and, yes. And you I, walked
3: yeah. into my class yeah. barefooted, carrying a guitar with long hair, hippie. acting like it was coming a to a rock concert. I, <laughs> my well,
1: I, I mean to be fair, I had just uh returned from dropping out of school and traveling around for a long time. And I was given education another shot when I walked in your class and it probably uh, saved me and uh, to, to keep going through it. And so then uh, I, our paths crossed again, when I started my PhD coming from Houston to there and then working for you for a number of years, one of the, and, and so again, as I said before, you've just been a massive shaping influence in my life um and one of the things that i been interested in talking to you about over these past few years is just your your work not just around recovery communities which is um legendary but also this this nested idea around resiliency how people come back from really difficult things and could you maybe Just talk about what that is and factors of that or what you've learned.
3: Yeah, um, that that has been one of my favorite research areas for a reason. Hmm. And that is that one of the things that has always haunted me is why one person can achieve certain things and another person can't. You know, why does this person stay sober and this person relapses? Why does this person stay married and this person divorces, maybe? Why does this person succeed professionally and this person struggles? And I've always looked at that from the standpoint of what provides that ability to bounce back from hard things, because all of us, I mean, there's no one that doesn't doesn't face hard things in their life. We all do at various times and various stages and various ways. And so I became really fascinated with resilience and that bouncing back And, and did the research on it years ago, and then it has like reoccurred with all of the COVID literature and stuff about Mm -hmm. what we're really struggling with with the end result of covid and why have some people been able to weather the storm of two years of isolation and different things and some people have struggled and and really haven't been able to get their business back or their marriage back or their kids back in school in Mm -hmm. a positive way and so um so Uh, a colleague and I did some research several years ago, and we actually did brain scans. We did fMRIs that was functional um, imaging and looked at what kinds of things do we find in the brain that tell us, help us understand why, you know, Matt, you may not be very resilient, and John, you may be resilient. Yes, you know, what truth. is it between people that allows us to understand and know what it takes to bounce mm-hmm. back? And so, and this is the part that I love. So we found three things that were statistically significant, three variables. Mm-hmm. And I think if we talk about them, you'll go, of course, of course. <laughs> you know, we didn't need research to tell us that. Uh, of course that's why, but they're so fascinating to me, one of them in particular, I'm fascinated by um, that I think it's I think you know I think it's a good thing to to let people realize that there are certain characteristics and experiences we have that allow us to be resilient and during the hard times in life and honestly, these days there are a lot of hard times you know Mm -hmm. i think about the people in ukraine and i go oh my gosh you know do they have the resilience to bounce back you know i i think about you know all the different things we struggle with in in our country and do we have the resilience to come back from those so um so that's kind of the that's kind of the overview and how i got interested in it Mm. um do you want to hear what the three things are? I do. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and just interrupt me, you know me, you can, Yeah, Matt. No, no,
0: well, the reason I'm there, fascinated okay. is I, you know, I, Matt sent me a lot of info about you and you know, a resiliency. I think that's, that's actually really fascinating to me. Recovery stuff too, but mm-hmm. resiliency is really big. So I went online, I took a resiliency uh well being quiz.
1: Yeah. How'd you oh, do?
0: Awesome. I, I think I'm okay with everything but stress.
1: You don't have a lot of stress in your life, John.
0: <laughs> which I mean, I, I think I'm not coping very well. It's like maybe our, the amount happy, that you have to cope with. I'm, I'm happy. It uh, says I'm happy, which is good. I'm glad to know that. But uh, anyway, it's so I I, oh, I, I nice want to hear the three. I want to know how to be more resilient or what I yeah. need to you know.
1: Okay. Because it's huge. I think about you know, like Victor Frankel's work. You know, coming out of the Holocaust and what you know, it, it, um, even family members that emerge out of the same event of a family but they have really different responses to it all those things are like the things between people and how people react to things are really interesting to me and I think that we're in a culture that if we don't understand those and we're in a church if we don't understand that then we can't create contexts and maybe conversations that allow folks to go through which we'll all go through difficult times but how do we be communities that foster resiliency you know yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, yeah. Lay it on us, Kitty. I'm ready.
3: Okay. Okay. And just, uh, you know, once I get going, I get really fired up. So Good. stop me. Come on. If I get, <laughs> <if> I get <laughs> um, the first one that I will not surprise either one of you that you'll not, you will not say, Oh my gosh, that is so amazing and interesting. You're not going to say that about this. You're going to say, what? of course. Okay. The first one is social support. Number one factor in resilience is social support. Do I have people around me? Do I have people to help me? Do I have people that love me? Do I have people that are there for me? Do I have people that support me? And, And if you think about it, if you think about going through difficult times and you think about emerging from those, it makes so much sense to realize that that is huge.
1: Mm.
0: It's
3: huge to have people that are there for you. Yeah. That you can count on, that you can trust, that you can, you know, you can share that experience mm. with. And and if you look at, even if you look at something as recently as COVID, part of the biggest pro what was the biggest problem of COVID? Social isolation. Social isolation,
1: isolation yeah
3: social isolation mm-hmm. and here we were used to being able to be together and go to things and do things mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you know we're we're in church online hmm. you know and which john granted, just loved better than nothing <laughs> no. but you know yeah. i mean there's nothing there besides no. you know church online mm-hmm. and so um so that that whole idea of social
1: support was number one that's that you, uh, a couple of weeks ago i'd spent some time with a group of folks and um th- we had somebody from the office um of the surgeon general come and talk to us uh-huh. and um i was aware of this but had was re-reminded in a profound way that, that, that the Surgeon General really is talking about isolation and loneliness as being epidemic in our culture right now, and that because of that, we are socially isolated. Even in coming back, it's been really hard to create these networks or to to there's just a lot of fragmentation and isolation in the midst. And so I, they talk about these deaths of despair, you know, uh, and the suicide rate rising mainly among middle-class white males, you know, I just think all these things are really interesting to me in the midst of that.
3: No. And I think that's such a good point, Matt, because, because social isolation creates a sense of, um, obviously loneliness, hmm. but also not belonging, not feeling supported, not having a buddy. Hmm. You know, those are the kind of things that you find that put people in a bad place in terms of their mental health. Yeah. And um, and I, I, one of the things that's so sad to me about everything involved with COVID and all of that is that is that sense of social social isolation and what it's brought, what it's brought with it um, as unwanted experiences mm-hmm. for so many people. If you look at some of the the newest data on schools, you know, getting kids back in school hmm. has been difficult. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, getting them started yeah. back and yeah. getting them away from their computer and back in with people. Yes. Uh, and so many of them, because of other maybe issues, are more comfortable behind the computer. Yeah. But they'll never be socialized.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And so, for forcing them—I hate to say it that way—but putting them in a position where they have to go to school because they need to be in a social environment to learn um, has been one of the, has been one of the struggles
1: mm. yeah,
3: that people have talked about and, and thought about.
1: And as a, as a culture, it seems like, what was that book that came out a while ago called Bowling Alone? Do you, mm-hmm. do you remember that? That yeah. talked about all these, the ways that as a culture we used to, you know, be involved in bowling leagues, all these other leagues or things that we would do and that, that over time, it's really kind of those things have dissipated, you know? Oh yeah. And
3: well, I, it's, it's funny that you said that because, um, my sister and I were talking the other day about how different our lives looked socially from my parents, our mm. parents. And they went, they had bridge club, they had dance club, they had football game club, they had um, uh, some other thing they did that that they Mm -hmm. played doubles at the country club with tennis or whatever I forgot what they called it but they had all of those all of those places and and ways to socialize I've never belonged to a dance club (laughs) I've never belonged to you know a bridge bridge club. club all right You know, I mean, who has time to go play
2: bridge? Yeah, we're binge
1: watching uh, Ted Lasso now or whatever. Uh, Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) there was another book that um, uh, the guy who used to be the senator in Nebraska, Ben Sass, Uh wrote a book called Them. Uh, And as he was diagnosing the problem, it was about like the previous generation where the communal gathering for him in Nebraska growing up was around basketball auditoriums Mm -hmm. at the high school. And I think when I started out doing youth ministry, you know, Friday night football games, that's yeah. where every, especially in smaller communities, like that's in right. Hinesville, Georgia, yeah. or Statesboro, Georgia, or Dublin, Georgia, that's where everyone, everyone goes to the high school, even if you don't have kids in school. doesn't matter. you was, see everybody. It's as, the gathering space and place. Yeah. And you'd have a lot of those things around in the community where there's a social gathering. I remember when I was really, really young and my parents would come out of church on Sunday morning, people would just stand around and stay and visit for 30 minutes, 40 minutes before they go to lunch. And now it's like, man, this place is cleared out.
1: Yeah, it's like the rapture. like Sunday if you
0: go long. I mean, people are, they're gone, they cleared out because there's other places that have have occupied the space Mm. for that. And some people still had it or have it, but that makes a lot of sense to me that yeah. not only where we feel isolated, but where we see some breakdowns in community. That's really true.
3: That's, yeah. No, that's a really good point, John. I think mm. if you and now, and of course, this, this example has been used ad nauseum, so forgive me, but mm. you know if you walk into a restaurant, the majority of people that you see are on their iPhones as opposed to connecting to each other over dinner. You know, yeah. and it's, I mean, and I, the first time I saw a study about that, I thought, oh, I think that's a little overplayed. But I started looking, and it, it was true. It was true. People just be on their iPhones, and, you know, Matt would be sitting over there having dinner, and I'm just on my iPhone checking out stuff as opposed to interacting with him. And you see that all, all the, time. the time with kids. Mm. You hardly ever walk into a restaurant that there's not a younger kid there with an iPad is mm-hmm. playing a game and i realize it's to keep them occupied and to keep them you so know, mom and dad
0: can enjoy a meal. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah but if you think about it i mean that's how those of us our age i'm a little bit older um that's how we learned to interact mm-hmm. was at a dinner table mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that's where we learned to socialize at a dinner yeah. table or a breakfast table, or wherever. You also learn to
0: sit and listen to other people.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Did of, you
1: get smacked? I got smacked a lot when I was a kid in those sit- situations, so I probably would have been better with an I'm iPad. not going to talk
0: about abusive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I may have been a little ADHD though. That's going to shock you. Uh, <laughs> but, but so, have. what is it about? Um, what is it about social interaction, a group cohesion that is? like positively correlated to um resiliency what is it about that I mean, it makes sense but what is it like what, sure. yeah. i
3: think there's a couple of things number one i think it enhances a sense of belonging okay i've got a place to be i you know, if you look at some of the mm. developmental stuff in adolescence, yep. one of the top ones is where belonging. do you belong.
1: Where you belong. You know, yep.
3: It's belonging. And so oh, okay. I think that's the first one. I think another one that's real important is it a, uh, that sense of um, there are people like me around me. And it's not just a belonging, but that I've got support. Okay. I you know, I'm it, it, and, if you think about it so if i get in trouble and if i know i can pick up the phone and call matt russell he's going to help me mm-hmm. you know and that's been built up over years and years and years of what social support okay and so there's okay. a there's a a real depth of feeling that i'm not alone, alone. okay I'm not alone.
1: So when bad things happen often, then that isolate, I feel like there's a sense in which I want to hide or I get damaged in some way and I don't know. And so the social support comes around and says, we got you. You're not alone. It kind of counterbalances or it's a counter narrative to the things I might be experiencing internally. Yes. Okay. Okay, that makes sense.
3: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it, and if you think about it, and if you look at some of the mental health literature recently, one of the things identified as a struggle is is that sense of being alone. Mm-hmm. You know, people that you know have you know suicidal ideations and stuff. A lot of it is due to aloneness.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I don't have anybody to be with, to talk to, to hang out with, to, you know, to share my thoughts, to share, Mm -hmm. you know, my experiences. Um, uh, It's kind of like, this sounds familiar, I'm borrowing from a 12-step program, you know, someplace to share your experience, strength, and hope. Mm -hmm. And not to have that, to be that isolated, not to have, and if you look at recovery programs, what are they based on? they're based on social support
1: Social support yeah number one
3: it. that's it social yeah. support and um and it's that sense of i can do this i you know i do have people that care about me i do have mm. people that i can see that struggle that have bounced back and, and so for so many for so many of us that sense of social support is begins that initial Formation and foundation of resilience.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome.
3: You want to hear number social two? Social support's
0: number one. I'm ready for number two. I'm taking notes. <laughs> okay, number
3: two. I'm excited. I'm excited. Me too. So number, number two is my favorite. <laughs> okay, okay.
1: You've got a favorite.
3: <laughs> I have a favorite. I have a favorite because no one, this is why I love it. So if I say social support, almost everybody has some concept or hmm. understanding of that. But the second one, everybody says... So what does that mean? <laughs> and so, it's one of my favorites cuz it's so me for one thing. Number 2 is what we call structured style.
1: What does that mean?
0: <laughs> you Matt Russell mean, has structured style.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Matt Russell does not have structured style. Oh, okay.
0: well, I meant kind of the I way I bought my he clothes dresses, at the structure is yeah, what you're saying. Structured <laughs> stuff. Well, apparently you don't. I, now I'm really interested to hear what it means.
3: Okay, structured style is mm-hmm. that you have a means by which you structure your daily life. Um, you're going to get up. You're going to make your bed. You're going to go brush your teeth. You're going to go have you know probably tea, breakfast tea, yeah. brush your teeth um you're gonna jump in the shower um you're gonna go to work you're gonna show up at school your structured style means that you have created a basic structure in your life that tells you what to do next oh, and wow. how that because i know you're gonna ask this matt mm-hmm. how that ties into resilience is that it gives you a pattern of behavior which makes you feel like you have um, a sense of what you're going to do. Like I know what I'm going to do today. I'm going to, you know, go to the gym and work out and I'm going to come back and be on the podcast. Okay. You know, that's my that's my structure for today. I'm going to go to tech, work there for no da da. And so structured style and the, and I I'm so mad at myself cuz I always forget there was a famous general in the army that was a graduation speaker that spoke on structured style. Hmm. And he ended up writing a book and it was called make your bed. Oh yeah. And that all success Uh. starts with getting up in the morning and making Making your your bed. bed. Hmm. And that's what structured style is, Okay, is that you live your life according to a specific structure that allows you to feel a sense of, of completion, a sense of success, a sense of accomplishment and th- things like that. And what we found in our research was that um, structured style had a very high correlation with resilience because I know what I'm going to do next. Mm. And if you think about people in your lives, people that you know, people that have structured style You're going to probably find people that are more, you feel like are more resilient, possibly more successful, possibly, you know, whatever, as opposed to, well, I don't know what I'm going to do today. Mm. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Like, I don't really have a plan.
0: Is is this, is this rooted some, you know, there's some people, but I guess some people still do it, but older generations, they were all like, you know, you got to get up at 430. You got to do your devotion. You got to read. your you got to take a walk the dog. Got to do. You know, it's mm-hmm. like if you don't get up at four thirty, you're not going to be successful, yeah, you're not a son. Real Christian, I've never done that. I my structure is that every day is different. <laughs> it's structured, yeah. unstructured style. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so routine would would you define yeah. it as routine or is it more than that?
3: I think that I think that it's it's a sense of a routine, but it's more more than that. It's, it's more of a sense of this this leads to this and this leads to that. And knowing that I have a routine provides me a sense of, of resilience. Mm. And it, it's, it's hard to think about it first, but it's like <clears throat> I have something to fall back on. You know, if things in my life completely blow up. I know that I'm going to get up at 430 and walk the dog or have my devotional or whatever that it un- it seems to undergird a sense of resilience mm. that you have structure in your life and i think you know i think oftentimes if you look at people that you know that are successful you'll probably find that they're you know somewhat structured i mean there are people that are probably just like wild wow, and crazy and maybe successful but the majority of people that you think about probably have some degree of of structure, mm. um, in their lives that has allowed them to accomplish things.
1: That's super interesting. It, when I think about like injuries to the self, um, whether that's you know, like an event, like a nine 11 or a traumatic cause say sexual abuse or something like that. Like there, there's a sense in which depression sets in, you know, like I think isolation, if that's number one, you can, you get isolated wow. and then you yeah, like, like then the there's no meaning you're, you're fighting for meaning. What does it mean? How do I, wh- why God or whatever the questions right. emerge out of that. And I would, I would think that then that just collapses both the internal and external structure, right. Um, that, and then depression could just or despair could set in easily in long term. And it seems like then that straw, that styled structure adds something that then, um, allows for other things to be built on top of that, right? right? So if I get up and I'm doing this, rather than sitting in my bed, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm moving, there's something's happening, right? Yes. And I think yeah. about Vander Kolk's work on like the body keeps the score, you know, yeah. that that we have to be active and out of, you know, we have to, we have to move in a sense <laughs> to deal with these things. But don't you think also
0: some of this is like, I'm thinking back on COVID and coming through mm-hmm. with, it's like some of this was imposed. So people may yeah. have had a, a structured style, say, mm-hmm. yes. I go to work, I'm at work at nine or <laughs> right. 830 or whatever. And all of a sudden that's disrupted for months, yes. if not years. And even now the big cultural debate are, young people saying, well, I don't want to go back to that. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a conflict even in the work environment. And here, a lot of big oil companies have had to say, okay, well, we won't do offices on Mondays and Friday can work at home Tuesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, rotating these days, even though the COVID stuff is not there, it still seems to impact where people are still trying to find the way. And I've found that Hmm. some people like business leaders or CEOs or managers, they just wanna force everybody back to the structured style uh, because they think that's gonna, that's like whether they think it's more productive or not, I don't know, but they they just, they wanna get back to that. And other people don't want to. And I wonder, I mean, like I think school, you talked about schools, you talked about workplace, you talk about like my my, rhythm and routine is completely different than before COVID. Monday, which yeah. is my writing day, which I don't usually meet with people, was the first day I could remember since before COVID where I had a breakfast meeting, a lunch meeting, and a dinner meeting. And I thought... That was Monday. Yeah. yeah. And Stephanie said, you've never done that before. I said, yeah, I did. It's just been a couple of years. It has been a long time since I've done anything like that. And you, you don't realize it until it happens again. Yeah. That some of these things are just they're not existent anymore, yeah. yeah, so I wonder if that's I don't know if that's a part of of you see you know with young people a lot of mental health issues and a lot of depression and anxiety and stress right. are through the chart um, right that makes a lot of sense because we're it's almost like we're having to rediscover dis- yeah a new structured style maybe I don't know
3: well i think I think that's a really that's a really good point. One of the things that's interesting, um, and remember our study was done before COVID ever existed. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some of this I'm just shooting off the hip with, but 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 one of the things that I think that's happened during COVID is that it allowed people to not have structured style,
1: mm.
3: <laughs> you know, for the most part. I mean, they had some, some, you know, people work from home, they had to log in to make sure that they were in kids. You know, and the, so many parents hated kids being home,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
3: teaching them at home as opposed to school, because mm-hmm. it was so hard. It was such a different ball game for them. But it, it, it but it isolated them and it isolated, you know, us. I remember. So when we had shelter in place and I closed the office. And um, my husband and I both work from home. I went upstairs to my study and he went downstairs to his man cave office and we met for lunch and dinner and, you know, in the kitchen. And I remember thinking that that seemed really kind of lonely to me because I'll never forget the first day back in the office. And we were all so excited to see each other. Hmm. You know, there was such a sense of that, you know, structured style of we're going to go to the office and we're going to work and then we're going to have lunch together and then we're going to work some more. And then we're, you know, and I think that, I think that once that was disrupted, I think it's been hard. Like you said, John, for people to find that back again, like, okay, I don't want to go to the office seven days, five days a week, whatever. I want to work from home Mondays and Fridays, you know, and, and there are people that really fought back. They have fought back in going back into a structured environment and stuff. Mm. But what I'm afraid of down the road, and we won't know for years and years until we get some research on this, I think that's gonna end up being a real point of isolation and a real point of depression. And, and we might think we wanna be home, we might think we wanna work from our office at home, but the isolation that comes along with that has I think a high price to pay, right? And I I definitely think it's true for children. I think if you take yeah. children out of a classroom and you put them in the living room with a sister or brother, then I mean you're up the creek in terms of <laughs> you know of what what ultimately is going to happen in terms of social support and social isolation. Well, there was there was a, there was a big cultural
0: like. debate about all of that, you know. Uh, even I think it was uh, Pediatrics of America, you know, came out mm-hmm. and said, yeah, okay, we get COVID is an issue, but it's as big, if not bigger, an issue for for the social isolation for yes. children developmentally. Yeah. yeah. And you're finding now as kids are going back that the these grades are really lagging behind of where they were or have yes. been.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like you said yeah. before, you know, depression and anxiety has gone through the roof because of that as well. I think that all is connected. I think you're right. Yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other thing that, you know, we don't really, um, dig down a lot, but when you pull them out of classrooms and they lose that competitive edge, like there are a lot of kids that are motivated because they want to be first in the class.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, and they're, they're sitting in the living room,
1: <laughs> right?
3: They're You know, No big deal. No competitive edge. Yeah. And so many kids thrive on that a lot. That They want to do well. They want to succeed. They want to be the best. They want to, you know, excel. And when you take that away from them, their motive for learning um, oftentimes is disrupted to the point. It's just like, what difference Mm. does it make? Yeah.
1: You know, Mm. Doesn't matter. It, it's interesting. Like I, I'm thinking about just like the structured style of like, um, like being involved in adolescent sports, right? And and having mm-hmm. to go through disciplined things to achieve something that you may have to do something you don't want to do to have a benefit that you do want, and right. like how that in some ways over. Like the life cycle really serves people well to have that structure, to be able to Mm -hmm. return to, oh, when I do these things that I don't want to do, make my bed, you know, whatever those things are, I have the benefit of these things happening. And I don't know why those are connected. Is it, do you know why those are connected? Like why making your bed is like an important part of resiliency?
3: Yeah, well, I think what it is is that I think oftentimes if we are given a task and we complete that uh, task, I think it builds just a little bit yeah. of self-esteem, Yeah. which builds a lot of resilience. Okay. Like if, if you interview people, you can tell, I mean, a lot of times that their self-esteem in many ways, although you have to dig a little bit, is tied to resilience. Like, I know I'm going to make it. Like, you know, I didn't get to run for X number of weeks and, mm-hmm. you know, it was snowy and icy and whatever. But you know what? I can get back on the track and make it. Yeah. You know, that's that's my resilience. You know, the gym was closed for um, all those months during COVID. But uh, but, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go out and I'm going to do something to not lose that. Mm-hmm. You know, I one of the this this was fascinating to me. Um. So I'm really uh, semi-crazy. Matt knows I'm crazy, (laughs) but so I go to this spin class at five o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I get up at four, leave the house at 4.30 and go to spin. That's pretty crazy. But there are eight of us that go to this class. And when COVID hit and the gyms closed, we were just like, seriously? I mean, really? And our teacher, who was very dedicated and innovative, structured a workout routine at one of the parks in town where we could have we couldn't do spin, but we could have an equivalent workout. Mm. And guess how many of us showed up for them every time we met? All of you. (laughs) That's right. All of us. All of us. Because it was it gave us something, gave us social support. Yeah, It gave us structured style. Huh. And it was that sense of resilience. You know, COVID may have kicked everybody else's butt. It's yeah. not going to kick ours. And so I think when you put all those things, to, you know, at least those two things, we haven't said number three yet. Yeah. When you put those two things together, you know, you really can begin to see it. And you can see it in circumstances that were that people emerged from difficult things in a yes. positive way.
1: Yeah, yeah, you that's know? good. So, so what's okay, number three? Okay, you
3: want to know number three? Yes,
1: bring it on. Yep, I'm ready.
3: And I number three is not surprising to me. Number three is the one that's, I, I'm not saying it's dull, <laughs> because <laughs> that would be such a horrible um, thing to say about this. But number three is family support. Okay. And resilience seemed to be incredibly tied and statistically significant in terms of family support. People and individuals that felt like they had family support saw their resilience to be higher and it showed higher in all the testing. And there is a sense of that, and I think this is one thing that probably won't be surprising to the three of us at all. Is that there is a real sense of what family does for you in terms mm-hmm. of helping you feel like that you're gonna make it? yes, you know you're gonna make it and um and and we found that those people that felt like they had strong family support on top of the other two it was and the family was the third I mean it scored the lowest of the other two, but it it scored. High enough to be significant that those people that felt like they had really good, strong family support felt like they could bounce back.
1: Well, wow. so how is? I mean, this the, the duh on this may be pretty high, but um, like, what's the difference between social support and family support? Like, okay, yeah. How yeah. did y'all? Yeah,
3: that's a really good question. So, social support was considered anyone outside of an immediate family member. Okay. And then family support was was based on nuclear family. Okay. You know, it wouldn't be like my great, great, great aunt. Yeah. You know, that would be more like social support. But my aunt, my grandmother, my mother, my sister, my brother, more of a nuclear family of uh, people that supported you, that rallied, you know, would rally around you. Okay. And um, it, it, one of the things that, Um, that I think about with this is that so often that sense of family support, especially during trying times when you think you've really messed up and things are really bad, that's what, that's what pulls you out of the ditch. Not necessarily the social support Mm -hmm. that may not know you're in the ditch, but that family support that knows you're in the ditch.
1: And those are the and folks that kind of got your have your back. Say we got you. Back. You can do this. Right. This isn't the right. end. Got your back. Okay. I is mean, that
0: what? is that tied like when you think of like when you think of recovery or like interventions mm-hmm. on mental health issues or addiction mm-hmm. issues? It seems like typically the those closest people to you are mm-hmm. the ones that are going to be involved in that process. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? Or
1: I, I think I, yeah. I mean, Kitty can can talk about this much more than I can, but I think that within interventions, particularly if you have strong family support, it's really a deep expression of love and care. And if right. your family is like not there, there's, there seems to be not as much traction at times, unless you have a social support that's really strong. But family does- well yeah
3: and and that that's that is true if you look at actual interventions Mm -hmm. the most successful ones appear to be the ones that are done by family you know we Mm -hmm. love you we care for you let us help you and 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 it it never hurts to have some social support mixed in with that family intervention but it's it is like you know john kind of like we've got your back you know we've got your back we're going to take care of you we're going to help you um we're going to kind of get you back on track and i think i think that's true of everything from um recovery issues to mental health and even more so like with physical issues yes i mean if people are sick in the hospital you know a lot of the research shows who's the most important people to visit them their families you know that we're going to take care of you and you know this isn't going to be you know the the last time you're going to see us show up, you know, things Mm. like that. And, and so family support, um, family support is one of those things that day in, day out, tried and true allow people to feel like they're not alone. Yeah. They're not alone. You know, um, Mm. there's this great story that, um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with, um, there's a book, uh, I'm gonna forget the name of the author. It's called Known, is the name of the, mm-hmm. name of the book. And Matt, I know you've heard me talk about this, but there's a story in there, it's, and the, the subtitle is like how making meaningful relations in a technology world or something yeah. like that. And, um, uh, and there's a story in there that this, this back in the de- days of the depression, that this this family this mom and her kids the dad had died and the mom was with the kids and she met with them all and said i'm going to have to i'm going to have to let you go to the orphanage because i can't take care of you and i don't have the money to feed you and shelter you mm-hmm. and all that and this one little boy was just like devastated mm-hmm. you know and and she saw how he reacted and how devastated it was. And um, and she said to him, she said, don't worry, we're going to make it. I'm, I'm not going to let them take you. We're going to make it. Hmm. And he said that for the rest of his life, that was his mantra. No matter what came up, no matter what happened, it was, we're going to make it. That's great. And I think that... It- Matt knows I'm probably on the verge of tears (laughs) when I tell that story. Um, I think that that is what, that's what that family support looks like. You know, we're going to, we're going to make it. Yeah. We're going to make it against all odds, against what looks to be a very difficult path. You know, we're, we're going to make it and, and, and because of that, the the resilience that's built in that is a is very attuned to bouncing back yes you know it's the same thing we're gonna make it yeah. i'm gonna make it i've got the i've got the resilience and the the desire within me to bounce back
1: mm.
0: Mm. you know when I, when I hear you when it's here see these three things i know we have to wind down in a few minutes but when i see these things last week I went to um, the Brookwood story, the movie that was made. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a lady here in our church, Yvonne Strait, who's 94 now maybe, I think mm. she's 94. Wow, and, awesome. And Amazing. her daughter was born and had a severe encephalitis, encephalitis type mm-hmm. thing and was severely um, disabled. I mean, couldn't oh. respond to any sight, sound, anything. Mm-hmm. And they said, you're gonna have to put you know, your daughter in, um, in like in a home, put her away, send her away, your life will be ruined. And she didn't accept that. And talks, this whole story is about how she simply taught her like to put her fingers around a ball and then loosened it and put her fingers around the ball. And just this, so I'm thinking about uh, how that story unfolded and her daughter is still alive and functions and participates at Brookwood, which is this whole community now here in Brookshire, Texas, right outside of Houston mm. um, that, that cares for and brings you know, folks with special needs in. And, um, yeah. and it's just interesting to me to hear, like when she started working with her daughter, all of a sudden other people from around the community came out and said, I have a son, would you teach me how to work with my son? <laughs>
1: yes. And so
0: I was, I'm looking at your list going, okay, resiliency, not only how this thing became what it became and now it's in Waco and other places. You got the Briarwood School. It's like you have family support, you have structure, Mm -hmm. and you have resiliency. I mean, uh, social support that came. All three of these are resilient and create something that's, you know, pretty transformative and amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, and and if, if you get a chance, I don't know when this movie's like going out like wide or whatever, or where it'll be, but you get a chance to see this thing. It's absolutely amazing. Astounding. The yeah. story of, of people's lives. And so they live in community together. They have their own rooms and their own, uh, yeah. villas, and then they work every day. They have, they mm. have their gift that they work and they make all these things. They sell in the gift shops. They have oh, a I nursery. That. And so amazing. they have tasks of work of worth. That is their structure every be, every day. Yeah. And so it's just, it's interesting to me when I think about, uh, the citizens, you know, at Brookwood. Yeah. I mean, how resilient they yeah. are considering all the things they've had to deal with and they're still dealing with. And I look at yeah. this and I also, the other thing I thought about this was, um, like in the last couple of years, not just COVID, but you know, the, the cultural divisions or political divisions, denominational divisions, and people really feeling in despair and lost and, mm-hmm kind of burned out and just not being able to bounce back. And I look at this and I think, man, if I've been able to make it at all, I'm not so sure how well I'm doing on the structured style part, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the other stuff has certainly been there as far mm-hmm. as the, the number one, particularly the social support. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think that's, that's good when you're, it's one of the things I love about being connected to a denomination. Yeah. You know, I've had people who are going through the same thing I'm going through and are dealing with the same frustrations and the same Mm -hmm. difficulty and the same division. And I can call them up and we can, if nothing else, we can just, you know, bitch and moan together, don't lament, but they know what I'm going through. I know what they're going. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not alone.
1: I also wonder, uh, you know, just about the church being a community of care that gets really serious about like, I love that phrase. Um, what was the phrase that came out of that story? Everything's that, we're going to make it. it. Mm-hmm. That sense that every, because I think that people show up in the yeah. pews every Sunday holding on to something that they want to share, but they don't know how. And to mm-hmm. have a community echo back to them saying, you're going to make this. You're going to make it. You're not alone. Um, mm-hmm. w- if you don't have family, we'll be your family. We'll provide um, you social support and structure. And, you know, I, I just think there's something powerful about that moves us beyond these other smaller ego projects of who's in and who's out right yeah well
3: and you know i I mean you're right matt there is something powerful about that and and john you're so right too that being a if you look at places that have or situations where people have survived and Mm -hmm. people have done well and people have shown resilience And you're going to find those three things, you know, they may be in different orders or different circumstances, but you're going to find those. And along with that whole sense of, um, along with that whole sense that I'm going to make it, we're going to make it, we're going to, we're going to do this. You know, I just think that, I think that, I think some of it is the belief and the faith that we're going to make it, you know, I think some of it is the, the The variables you have within you, like if, you know, if you have the social support, if you have the structured mm. style, if you have the family support, <clears throat> then within that is that real sense of we're going to make it. Yeah, you know, we're we're going to make it. And you know, a lot of times, um, a lot of times we give up, and and. And it always makes me sad, you know, and I, I think of kids I've worked with that have given up and I, I think, mm. no, that's not okay. <laughs> you can't give up. You can't give up. You're going to make it, you know, you're going to make it. Um, and I, if nothing else, having that attitude
2: mm-hmm. that,
3: you know, I've got what it takes to make it,
2: Yes.
3: I've got what it takes to be who I want to be and. Be in the world the way I want to be in the world. I think that in and of itself is a lot, Amen. It's huge,
1: hmm.
0: huge. Well, this this is a great conversation, and these three things we, we're going to have to get you back yeah. again <laughs> and talk about some other things. But this is a lot okay. to chew on for sure, and um, okay. and I think helpful, yeah, very helpful because everybody is dealing with something. Yeah, everybody's yeah. dealing with something. Everybody has.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, I appreciate the opportunity to share what I've learned, and um, and I always love to see that ugly face. <laughs> and I'm so not, I'm so glad to meet you, John. It's very um,
0: nice to meet you too. And we will definitely get you back and talk about some different I, I things. It's to. very helpful. I, I
3: would love yeah. to come back and talk about. I mean, uh, just anything you want, or you know, I'll you're, send you. are our you're our
0: yeah. fa- you're our favorite guest from Lubbock, Texas
3: okay well that's <laughs> very impressive <laughs> that's very I mean, impressive
0: hey i will say one thing i know i've learned since living in texas nine years you got to be a pretty resilient human being to live in lubbock texas i'm
3: telling you i mm-hmm. mean you got
0: ice storms this week and in not too long you're, that's gonna, get sand uh, that's you're right. gonna
1: get sandstorms
3: a you'll get sandstorms whatever
1: those things are called. Yeah,
0: exactly you, you know
3: as well you know as well that's exactly uh, the truth so uh, i am resilient and i have survived here and I didn't even want to be here. (laughs) This is where God planted me, so here I am.
0: Well, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: See you later. See you soon. Well, I I love that woman. She's been deeply uh, impactful to my own life. She stood with me in shadows that I uh, was afraid to stand in alone, and she has not just, um, like, studied resilience resiliency she's really been an agent of resiliency in my own life so i, I just you know i've got all day long for I, years. I
0: just really enjoyed yeah you know, i wasn't sure what what i was coming into because yeah. you've got experience with right. her i didn't and i thought you know is this a yeah. professor type from university yeah. is gonna like talk yeah. about <laughs> stuff i'm not gonna you know i thought it was very practical yeah and it's like research in real time in real life with mm-hmm. real people about you know, gosh, what are the what are the key uh the three legs of a stool, if you yeah. will, for resiliency. Yeah. And man, we need to be resilient more than ever yeah. in our lives. Yeah. We're looking for it, searching for it, hoping for it, yeah. praying for it. Amen. Um, even even still we're gonna make it.
1: We are gonna make it, <laughs> Me John. Me and you we're and Jeff. make it Jeff. We're gonna make it. Say it. We're gonna make it. <laughs> we're gonna make it. <laughs>
0: well, I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy.